We're always talking about love as a business strategy in terms of the quote unquote standard type of workplace. You do your job and you report to a boss, but today's guest gives us a completely different perspective, looking at love when it comes to the countless people in the gig economy. Trevor Tennyson is the vice president of government affairs at Shipt and has been working in the gig space for seven years through Uber as well. He helps enlighten us on what culture looks like when you don't have a boss, and it's incredibly interesting. Hello and welcome to Love is a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle those topics that most business leaders might shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. We're here to have conversations and hear stories about real people and real businesses. And I, as always, am your host, Jeff Ma, and I am joined today by Trevor Tennyson. Trevor currently serves as the Vice President of Government Affairs at Shipt. Before that, he also spent seven years at Uber, where he led Uber's government affairs and communications teams for the South and Southwest regions. Um, super excited to have this moment to talk to you, Trevor. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, appreciate you having me and really excited to join. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's just, um, I mean, shipped Uber, two big names that basically are household names at this point um, for many really really excited to dive into that and and before we do um there's an awkward thing i make every guest do which is answer a random question as an icebreaker so you'll humor me for that <laughs> for, for today's question is um if you had a full-time personal assistant what would you what would be the first thing you'd have them take off your plate um, as in a personal a like a life personal assistant not just for work like that is a great, uh, a great question. I think it would probably be getting my kids dressed for school in the morning. Um, <laughs> I have a five, three and nine month old. And so oh um, it is it is a constant battle in the morning. My, my daughter's into my three year old daughter's into uh, picking out what she wears and making sure that everything is perfectly uh, unwrinkled. Um, and it is, uh, it is just a Royal Rumble WWE style every morning. So that would, uh, that would relieve a lot of stress and I think make the house a happier place from the hours of seven to 8 AM. Amazing answer. I would, that actually changes. I mean, I'd go with that. I mean, I just didn't realize <laughs> I had that need until you just said it as well. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's, let's dive into, um, I want to start somewhere very, very simple, which is Trevor tell uh tell me about what you're passionate about i guess share your passion with me if you don't mind yeah sure thing um i am uh i am a transit and transportation nerd uh self-proclaimed self-described self-labeled um and and honestly transportation and and travel uh is a true passion of mine uh my en entire life i've been a a travel seeker and uh, have been fascinated since I was very young with trains, planes, and automobiles, as most children are. Um, and I've just, as I've, I've as I've gotten older, really come to to better appreciate the role that that travel and transportation and the way that we move um, impacts not only the way that we live, but the way that we learn um, and the way that we uh, interact. And so. 
uh, I am a, a huge uh, transit and transportation geek, and, uh, and it is a real true passion of mine. That's, that's not a phrase I've heard uttered before. So help me break it down a little bit. What does it mean to you to be a, a transit and transportation nerd? Yeah, so I, I really geek out on uh, the, the ways and the systems that are built uh, in order to move people. And also, especially uh, relating to equity uh, and inclusion in transportation and transportation access. I think one of the big challenges that this country has uh, is that we just don't have a robust public transit system and transportation system across the country. Certainly there are cities who have, and states who have good ones and others who have not so great ones. But I think just as a whole, the country uh, is really far behind other countries and other societies as it relates to um, free, equitable, um, and, and robust transit and transportation systems, both private and public sector and how those two things relate, I think is super important. And so, um, you know, as I think through the work that I've done, both in my personal capacity and in my professional capacity, um, that link between jobs and access to healthcare and access to food, uh, and access to housing is a real transportation challenge. And, I think if you could figure out the transportation needs and align our resources with those needs, then that'll actually help in, in many different aspects of society and, and industry. I think that's so cool. I, I love um, I love a specific passion. I ask the question a lot and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with everyone's passion is their passion, which is great. But I really love when people are able to find in life. I think it's one of the hardest things in life to do is to uncover that. So that's that's incredible, um, and and it's very very fitting. I think it's very cool. You went from planes, trains, and automobiles, um, and you and you landed at Uber. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, like what what brought you there and what happened there? Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, I mean, as 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 a kid, uh, obviously Uber did not exist. Um, and uh and so i wasn't playing with toy ubers i was playing with toy taxis <laughs> and uh and yeah i i was uh a in, in government and politics most of my career uh after i went to law school um i was really involved in rebuilding efforts after hurricanes katrina and rita in new orleans and uh and and louisiana uh, i'm born and raised in louisiana and uh after law school and during law school was really impacted um you know, by the hurricanes, it was sort of a, a, a big deal in our lives sure. um, and wanted to help out. So I, I worked in state government and city government for quite some time um, and uh, and really, you know, used transportation and my passion for transportation to figure out how can we rethink the way that we move people in Louisiana and in the city of New Orleans after hurricanes Katrina and Rita, when so much federal resources were being spent on rethinking the way that we build our infrastructure um, so did that for a while. And while I was working for the New Orleans City Council, um, the soup, the NFL had said, hey, we want to bring the Super Bowl to New Orleans. Uh, but here are a few things that we need from you before we do that. And one of the things that they said they needed was to reform the, the city's taxicab industry. So at the time, like in many cities, um, taxicabs in New Orleans didn't have age limits. They didn't have to be required to have credit cards. Um, there was no sort of real regulation as it related to customer satisfaction. 
Um, and so I worked on that uh, piece of legislation with with Mayor Mitchell Andrew and my boss, uh, former council member Kristen Palmer, um, to really think through how do we revitalize our taxi system, both to make it beneficial to taxi drivers and taxi owners, but also for customers. Um, and so I did a lot of work around that and transportation, and then I led a nonprofit uh, called Ride New Orleans, which is still in existence and doing really incredible work in the city of New Orleans. Um, it's a transit advocacy nonprofit. So advocating, one being sort of a watchdog and a think tank to the, to the public transit agency, the regional transit authority in New Orleans, as well as really doing some community and grassroots organizing with transit riders to really understand sort of what are their challenges on a day-to-day -day basis. Is it a crappy bus stop that they have to sit in or sit next to? Uh, is it that their line isn't as efficient as they need it to be in order to get to their job? Um, and really learning and advocating better for, for, for transit riders. Um, so between those two things, I had a real um, sort of professional uh, background in transit and transportation. Uh, and so when Uber was looking for a, a manager to do government affairs and public policy in the Southeast, uh, I threw my name in the, in the hat and, uh, and thankfully uh, got the job. And so at that point, it was in 2015, um, when Uber was just started start expanding into different cities with their peer sharing model, which is UberX, as opposed to just their black car service, mm -hmm. which they started out doing. And that was really transformational for me personally. Uh, and I think for a lot of cities, it was trying to convince elected officials and regulators and politicians that this actually was something new and something different and shouldn't be regulated in an old, ancient, archaic way like taxi cabs were. And actually, part of it was to help taxicab industry also understand that, you know, this can be beneficial for you if you catch up um, or, you know, it could be detrimental if, if, if you don't get with the times. And so, um, yeah, that was sort of, you know, the start and then uh, spent seven years and worked from everything from transportation to flying cars to Uber Eats to self-driving cars and uh, all of all of the other stuff that Uber uh, was into and still is. That's awesome. And, and, and then more recently it brought you to shipped and can you talk a little bit about your role there now? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So I, uh, I've been with shipped for about six months now. Um, shipped is a, uh, same day delivery platform, um, that delivers both grocery and retail items to your front door. So we are a wholly owned subsidiary of target and do a lot of targets, uh, last mile deliveries from, from their stores. Uh, but we also partner with over 130 other retailers. We just announced this week a partnership with Walgreens and 7-Eleven where you can shop uh, their stores on our app and we deliver them to you to your front door. So um, cool. it's uh, it's available uh, all over the country. We're growing tremendously. Uh, and I serve as the vice president of government affairs there where I sort of work on similar issues to, to what I was working on at Uber. Um, and as uh, the same day delivery sector grows and uh, delivery of, of and transportation of items uh, and retail items grows uh, shipped is a major player in that space as well that's that's awesome i am super excited to ask this question because i'll ask this of anybody i talk to not on the show or not um but especially from your perspective so an industry such as transportation transit um across your experience like Uber and, and Shipt, and also in, in the sense that you're working in like legal and government affairs, all these different domains. I love that intersectionality and that crossover of things that you, you deal with. What is your perspective of, of 
um, the importance of within your organizations and those around you, what is the importance of putting people first? What is, what, what, where do you see that happening or where do you not see that happening um, in, in those environments? Yeah, look, I think I think it's a it's a huge topic right now for the gig economy and the big players in the gig economy like Ship, like Uber, um, like your other uh, gig third party delivery platforms and and transportation network companies like Uber and Lyft. I think um, it it a lot of it stems around customer satisfaction and making sure that the customer. Uh, is treated well. I think one of the things we do really well at Shipped and which is really interesting is uh, we're a people first company and we make sure that our people, not only our customers, but our shoppers and our drivers and our workers um, are are put first in all the decisions that we make. It's also interesting to see sort of what Target brings to the table as a parent company of Shipped. Um, you know, they are a traditional retail, big box retailer. And so they have been for years obsessed with what the customer experience is as they walk in the door, but also how they treat their target members, right? Those people who are working in their stores every every single day. Uh, and Target has, has always been known as a real great place to work because they're making decisions as it relates to uh, putting their people first. I think it also is a really fascinating time as it relates to the gig workers and the gig economy and the future of, of work. And, and now that you have vast majority of, of people who are in the, uh, in the gig space and, and doing gig jobs or freelance jobs, um, why it matters that one, they're moving into that work. And I think that the real reason is because they want to be their own boss and they want the flexibility that comes with it. Um, and two is, how do we treat those workers better when it when it comes to making decisions on their behalf um, as as a, a place where they work? And also, what are the benefits and perks and things that they receive in return for for that work? And so, you know, it is a, a really interesting time in the gig space and with the with the gig economy. Um, with with the way that the economy has been and uh, sort of the labor shortage out there, it's been really fascinating to see how companies in our space are putting people first, not only their customers, but the workers that work for them. Yeah, it, it's such a it's it's a space that I don't I don't think about often because I in my in my conversations, in my line of work, we're always talking about directly, you know, just organizational you know, leaders, and then the people who work for them in the, the same department, same kind of thing. And, and when it comes to gig work, I mean, I have to say, I, I mean, I, I'm not even clear, like, is, is our gig workers treated as employees directly? Or do you how does that all work? Do, actually, you know, do they have a do you? Is there a culture? Does, do the, does the culture extend to gig workers? Do they have their own? Or, help me understand yeah. that a little bit it's a great question so so legally um in, in all 50 states uh gig workers are independent contractors so they are not employees of the the companies that they work with um there are debates that happen uh as you can imagine all over the country right now there's a ballot initiative going on in massachusetts there was just a big ballot initiative in in california around you know making sure in law and codified in law that gig workers are independent contractors and not employees. I think if you ask uh, gig workers, which we have and the industry has, um, the majority of them will say that they want to remain independent contractors because of that flexibility. 
the minute they're made employees, the company gets to dictate when and how they work, which is a sure. totally different reason than why they join and, and take up gig work in the first place. I will say, though, that the, that the industry has recognized that that we can do a lot better on how we treat gig workers and, and what they they receive from the companies. I think one of the big fascinating aspects of, of, of law and policy right now is around how algorithms make decisions based on work, right? So mm. when a, a shopper on Shipped or a driver with Uber gets a request, to, they can pick if they wanna take that shop or they wanna take that trip or not. Um, but the way that they get paid is based on an algorithm, right? And there's a bunch of inputs that go into that algorithm. And I think there's a, a, a general lack of understanding from gig workers and rightly so, because those those algorithms can be pretty opaque, right? I mean, it's a it's a lot of internal data and inputs that go into that algorithm. And all those gig workers see as an output, which is here's how much I'm going to make for that trip. And they don't really understand what all goes behind it because there's not a lot of clarity on that. And so I think that is one place where we're seeing a lot more interest um, and a lot of gig workers saying, hey, I want more insight into this. And like, how am I getting paid and how am I getting rewarded? I think the second thing that we're hearing a lot of is we want we want benefits as well, right? We want traditional benefits that employees get. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where Shipt is really sort of leading, helping to lead the conversation and leading the conversation, which is we know that, that gig workers want certain benefits. Um, we know that some want health care, some want paid sick time, some want paid family medical leave. They aren't traditionally entitled to those benefits because they're not employees. They are independent contractors. And under the current law, if a company like Shipped wanted to proactively offer those, we wouldn't be able to given the current legal structures. And so in order for us to be able to do that, um, we have to go and change state law and, and ultimately federal law if we want a 50 state solution. And so those are the conversations that are happening right now. I think it is a really, really uh, good time for, for the companies to start putting their heads around, like, what does this look like? There's been a lot of uh, academics and experts who have said uh, what we need is a sort of portable benefit system, which allows gig workers to get benefits from the from the platforms that they work for and certain certain of those benefits be aggregated uh, for that for those workers to access. So let's say you work for shipped for three hours a week, you work for Uber for four hours a week, you work for Instacart another three hours a week, we would all pay into a portable mm. benefits account based on yeah. the hours that you worked on our platform. And then that gig worker could access that portable benefits account, just like an FSA or HSA a card and go and, and purchase benefits uh, for their family. And it would be pretty open, right? They could purchase whatever they needed. A lot of, 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 of politicians have said, Hey, gig workers need healthcare. Um, and in fact, when we do surveys as an industry on, Hey, would, what would you like when we ask gig workers what they would like healthcare is actually eighth or ninth on their list because they're getting it from some other means. They're either getting it from a partner or they're getting it from a full-time job that they already have. And so right. making sure that those benefits are flexible, um, I think is an important, important thing as well. Wow. Like just incredible. I just, I haven't really stopped to think about so many of these elements. Um, I, I'm still curious. It, would you say that these collective gig workers, either by company or just as a whole, share a culture? Like, what is your what is your take on that? Yeah, I, I think they certainly do. I think the culture the culture 
changes from from platform to platform and where they work right so so the culture of a traditional uber driver i think is very different than the culture of a ship shopper right so the average uber driver drives you know 22 23 hours a week on uber the average ship shopper does about eight hours uh, on the ship platform and that varies across all platforms doordash lyft they all have their own different different sort of makeup of what the traditional gig worker is on their platform so so just inherently on the the the, the type of work whether it's grocery shopping or retail shopping or driving a v, driving passengers around um, that creates a certain culture as well as the amount of hours that they work on that platform and so i think traditionally what we've seen at shipped is you know, we have our, our shoppers tend to skew a little older um, and um, uh, with more flexibility. So they're really only doing this a couple times a week as opposed to every day. Um, and so that really dictates the culture um, per platform. But I, I but I would say that they're 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 super well connected. Right. They they, they love to learn from each other. Um, they love to learn from the company. They love to be part of sort of what we're what we're doing as a company. They're very prideful of their work. They really have a connection to that customer that they're shopping for, that they're they're doing work for. And so, um, so it's a really prideful um, community that that's really proud of the work that they do. Yeah, and and you know, when I think about addressing people and dressing cultures in this context usually the, the 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 standard kind of setup is you have a whole group a whole group of people large or small who are sitting in a certain position doing the work and then when you want to address culture for them um i'm always starting with their their leader like their supervisor or whatever or moving up the chain right so so talking about those behaviors uh the way that they're treated directly and the way that they're considered um through actual physical human behavior and, and interaction, right? Um, and then I think of the gig workers who, like you said, share this common uh, knowledge, this culture, this experience. Um, but am I correct in kind of saying that their boss though, collectively, like their, their, their leader is kind of like this nameless, faceless kind of entity that, that binds them all? Is that like their supervisor or do they, is there some other way that they're reached uh, in a, at a human level? Yeah, I think I, I think I would say, you know, different companies are, are better at sort of that human level connection than others in the gig space. And I think all all the companies are experimenting with what is the best way to reach the workers on our platform. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the workers and the shoppers and the drivers are core at, at, at the at, at the heart of what the company and the success of these companies. And so yeah. making sure that they are treated um in in a way that that is respectful and and honored and heard is super important we have a a whole process around uh shopper engagement um at at shipped around how do we cultivate positive culture among our shoppers how do we make sure we're meeting that their needs how do how do we make sure that from a product and a tech perspective they are getting their needs met uh, when they're doing their shop, is it easy to use the app? Is it intuitive? How are we making sure that we're 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 meeting you know the day to day skills that they that they need um, and making sure that that we're we're syncing those? And so um, so I think you're right. I think there is a little bit of the you know if I'm working or driving on four or five different platforms a week, who is my who is my boss? Right? Who is who is that 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 leader? Um, 
But I think, frankly, that's part of the appeal of the work, right? They don't want a boss. They don't want a mm-hmm. leader. They want to be able to do it on their own terms at their own time, not have to report in, not have to fill out a report, not have to do the traditional things that em- em- the employee relationship brings. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to create a new dynamic of how do you stay connected and how do you create a culture within gig work for those people who don't want a boss or a supervisor? Yeah, that's... Wow. And I, and, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, that, you know, it's all about, I guess, I think you, you phrased it better, but it was about putting people, considering people in this at the center of your decision making, things like that. Um, can you give an example, I guess, of across any, any of this space where those decisions are made, like putting these drivers and these shoppers first, like what type of um, decisions are we talking about? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So so at Shipped, we we seek driver input a lot on decisions that we make. Uh, we just did so around uh, a new announcement regarding our pay structure for shoppers. We're now guaranteeing a flat minimum pay uh, on all uh, shops that happen on the platform that shoppers do. So we will guarantee you that at minimum you will make sixteen dollars an hour. Uh, anywhere in the country on a ship shop. Um, that sort of industry set stand, I mean, industry groundbreaking, right? Like that hasn't been been done by any company in the gig space yet. Sure. And a lot of the work that we did was, a, a lot of work that we did around that issue was listening to shoppers to say, what matters most to you? Pay is typically number one um, and flexibility. Um, and how do we make sure that we're paying uh, the right amount, not only from a just a living standard perspective and and rewarding people for the work that they're doing, but also from a competitive perspective. You know, the the the, the better you pay, the 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 better it is to work. The more the more, you know, the more work gets done. And so, um, so there's formalized structures within Shipped on how we get seek shopper input as well as shopper engagement. Right. One of the things we're working on now is. You know what ben, what perks do do shoppers like right what would really help them in their day-to-day lives is that uh, a traditional perk program where if you sign up to be a ship shopper you know you get discounts at these companies that that matter to you that you you use on a daily or weekly basis with your family um what matters most to you so i think you know making sure that there are sort of those those touch points um and that it's a constant conversation and not just a one-off ask when you're building a new product or you're coming at rolling out with a new uh, feature. It's not just a checkbox like, hey, have we done a focus group around this check and then move on, that it's actually a sustained, constant conversation that you're having with with your workers. Yeah, that's that's so important. I think that to me was the challenge that immediately stood out to me was hearing, you know, when you have this very unconventional kind of like layer of work that isn't bound by let's say a supervisor or or a leader and they're all these independent contractors you know making policies and changes to procedure and tools and and technology can be can be very easily tone deaf or 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 imagine almost anything you change will always have people who are unhappy about it um or you know there's, there's multiple sides to everything and so keeping your um, I guess, ears and hearts open to what's actually being received by that group is probably a huge challenge. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And and it's also, it's also follow-up, right? I mean, I think that is a huge piece of this, which is, you know, after a decision is made, like we, we just rolled out with our pay, our minimum pay, um, 
follow-up is is it needs to be consistent and it needs to be meaningful and so you know if we went wrong somewhere or if we're getting feedback that you know it's it's not the right calculation in xyz market we have to be responsive to that and we've got to have inputs or mechanisms in place that allow for those inputs to come into us and make sure that you know once we roll out a product feature or a new tech feature or a new uh, a new whatever it is that we don't just shut off the conversation and say oh we've rolled it out now everybody's fine right it's it's that constant feedback loop so that we can have input on you know how this gets gets actually felt by the people who are doing it and not just a decision at hq yeah with the last uh segment of time i have i'm curious where else do you see i guess love being played out in your opinion in your perspective in 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 your in the business environment you're in shift or uber or wherever you've seen it where does where does love play a role to you yeah i think i think love really stands out to me in those personal connections that are made in the back of an uber with the driver and the rider or in a ship shop where the ship shopper uh goes and shops your order and messages me and says hey you know they're they're out of bananas but i know that your children love uh love tomatoes do you want to uh, sub the tomatoes for bananas and then they come to my house and they drop off the order and i ask them how their kids are doing and we have a conversation and then i can favorite that shopper i so that i'm verification that hey trevor the person you shop for uh is interested in you shopping for them again sort of those sort of connections i think are so meaningful and so impactful and i think you know that is really where the platform is really just the intermediary right they're they're just creating that connection as a company you know that we're we're, we're facilitating that connection for for a business purpose but the real magic is in that personal connection that happens between those two individuals. And, you know, I've experienced this many times in the back of an Uber where, you know, I'm getting a, getting a ride to somewhere and I ask, strike up a conversation with the driver. And it's just a, an, a fascinating, amazing conversation between two strangers. And I feel like in our society in this day and age, especially with COVID, you know, those stranger conversations are few and far between. Uh, we either have our phone in our hand, our AirPods in our ear, uh, walking down the street, or you know, we're buried in email in the back of an Uber, um, or we're not having those connections because you know we're on Zoom and we're on, scheduled for thirty minutes and then we're falling off because all we talked about was business or the matter at hand or the agenda. So I think those sort of happenstance, stranger connections where people connect and find mutual interest in each other's story and each other's background really, really makes the 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 product come to life. I mean, we. We say that we're, you know, we're not only just a tech company, we're, we're, we're a people company. And I think that's true because we're connecting people in the physical world. You know, social, social media platforms don't really connect you in the physical world. You, you just live in the digital world and you don't ever see that person or touch that person or in the same presence as that person. And that's what I really love about the work that we do at Shipped and, you know, what some of these delivery and, and transportation companies do is you're facilitating that physical human connection, um, which I think is just so important in our, in our society. I love it. I love it. Trevor, uh, you've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> like, <it's laughs> oh, that's a good a, thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And I, and, and I think our, our listeners appreciate it as well, because we, we talk about a lot of 
common themes here that are true to humans and and just being human and 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 life itself and we always try to connect it back to business but yeah i mean the gig economy and the gig worker is a huge huge part of real life now like this is the type of living people are making this is the type of thing and it, and it's still in so many ways still just new and unsolved and and changing totally. right and so uh, i have yet to think about you know to be honest like culture work culture and just that human element of of this side of things such a large um subset of people in the world that are that are either especially using the services but also yep. working working in these services i mean i literally ordered food through uber eats last night so i yep. i i've not looked at it that way and it, and it's very very eye opening so um First of all, appreciate you taking the time today to have this chat. It was super, super insightful. Thank you very much. Yeah, very welcome. And uh, thanks again. It's been a pleasure and uh, and really, really love what you guys are doing. And it's uh, it's really exciting to watch. Absolutely. I hope we get a chance to catch up and hear more as as um, she sounds like it's doing great things. So it sounds like you're you're at the forefront of a lot of those things. So I'd love to stay updated on and I'll, and I'll keep my eyes on the news for other great things that you guys are doing for those um, in that gig working space, uh, to the listeners of the show. Thank you as always, as, and I will never, never ending, uh, the never ending plug for the book, love is a business strategy. It's still there. I'm still proud of it. Go get it. Um, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, uh, tell a friend about the podcast. And if you enjoyed it, let us know if you didn't sure, let us know. We'll take that as well, but otherwise, we're coming out with new episodes every week, so we'll tune. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, and Trevor, have a good week. Bye.